Hi folks, welcome back to Bestowing the Brush. Today I have a guest with me again. Today I have on Megan Debrell of Rooted Childhood. So excited to talk with her. I think we have a lot in common. First of all, we both do Charlotte Mason homeschooling. Um, we both like to work with our hands and we both have uh, things to do on the internet and Instagram. You can find Megan at Rooted Childhood on Instagram. She's really fun to follow. She's always got new stories up. So definitely check her out. I will provide all of her links in my show notes. Why don't you say hi, Megan? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here because like you said, I think we do have a lot in common and I love that we're going to get to chat about that today. Totally. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, why don't we start out with what you do and kind of, and I know I, I introduced it a little bit, but tell me a little bit more about how this project came about and how you wanted to share it with the larger world. Sure. Well, I will just give you a little backstory. So I never thought that I would be a homeschooler. I uh, went to public school. My husband went to public school. It was just never something that was on my radar. And uh, around two, when my oldest daughter was two, I sent her to preschool because that's what all my friends were doing. And I quickly realized that maybe that just the traditional route wasn't for us partly because my daughter was a little bit differently wired than other kids and partly because it just didn't seem like a good fit for the lifestyle that we were hoping to have. And we were just really happy to be together as a family. I had hoped to have more kids and just the thought of sending my daughter away for several hours a day, even though I wanted the break, it just kind of didn't feel right to me. So uh, it homeschooling just kind of came little by little. And when I was two, when, when I was two, when my daughter was two, I read For the Children's Sake. And that book just really put it in my heart that homeschooling was going to be something that was going to not, not just be the best education for my daughter, but really the best lifestyle for us to live. And so even though she wasn't ready for school, I really started to focus on on the home and making our home an atmosphere for learning and education to happen, even without the school aspect of it. So we started doing things like just making meals a really special time, focusing on creating special rhythms in our home, getting outside more and following nature and the seasons and just embracing that all that has to offer us. And as she got older and closer and closer to doing our lessons, and I did have more kids, it just became this really, just this beautiful lifestyle. And I felt like it was something that was just really working for us. And so when we started our schooling, I feel like there's so much focus on, you know, just the traditional school things, like you're learning to read and you're doing math and doing uh, map work and learning all those things, but I didn't want to lose the magic of our life before school. Uh, I didn't want to lose that once we started our lessons. I wanted to hold on to all of the magic that I could with my daughter. And so we really focused on embracing some of these things that some people might consider extras, but to us, they weren't extra. They are completely integral to our lifestyle. And so these are things like working with our hands and making sure that we are incorporating art into our days and music and singing 
and crafts like knitting and sewing and things like that. And so we uh, still, my daughter now, she is in fourth grade and I have my second student starting school this year with first grade. He is six and a half. And I feel like we've found a good balance on being able to focus on our lessons with holding on to some of those really just wonderful, beautiful things. So Rooted Childhood is kind of my way to share that with the world that, um, you know, it's there's nothing academic about it, but it goes through each month with some of our favorite things that we've just done and loved over the years. So favorite stories that we've told, storytelling is a big part of our family culture, and songs that we sing or games that we play, activities that have become traditions for us, and of course, opportunities to work with our hands and do meaningful craft projects that we can use for decorations around our home or um, as gifts for our family or friends and things like that. And that is That's pretty much so it in wonderful. a nutshell. Yeah. And thank you for for telling me how you began to homeschool because that's a I think that's always like our why. Um, when we think about as, you know, right now as we talk, we're kind of starting that new school year. And I always have to go back to why we're doing this. So it's really great that you shared that you had that turning point and you wanted to hold on to those things and really cherish um some of the special things that you get to do with them. Um, so you said that your son is six, six and a half, and I saw that you'd had your first day of school the other day, or maybe it was yesterday. And, um, you know, I just am reminded at how, how tiring that can be to really help them understand, okay, this is what you're doing now on a daily basis. And we're just gonna, we're going to get into the school thing. Was that, um, expected on your first day or... Yeah, you? you were so right. And it I had actually forgotten <laughs> about that. So I had prepared <laughs> all the materials, you know, had all of the curriculum ready to go, had all the lessons planned. And we dove in on our first day. And it was a little bit of a shock to remember that uh, when you allow your children to really have that quiet growing time that I gave my son a full six years plus of just exploring the world around him and really just embracing anything that he wanted to do and what his heart was set on. So he had, you know, he was totally just the epitome of wild and free. You know, he was outside all the time doing whatever he wants. Of course, you know, as part of our family, we're doing chores and things like that. And he would participate in our lessons or participate in things that interested him, but it was just never required of him. So we did sit down and had a little talk and said, now that you're six, you're a big boy and you get to do school now. And when you get to do school, that means we're going to set the timer and have 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here that we're focusing on certain things. And I'm going to need your full attention for it. But I forgot how hard it can be to get that full attention from a little boy who is used to, uh, you know, following his own will all of the time. So it is definitely a little bit of a learning curve for both of us. And there's going to be lots of grace involved and just patience and taking it slowly and just we'll have to work into, you know, a full schedule as we go. Yeah. Well, and you said something that just the growing of your patience, I think that's true for moms and kids 
as we go into school times. Um, but I think actually that's a good segue into our topic here, talking about handicrafts and working with our hands and how patience is a huge, a huge thing that is a skill that you're learning when you do handwork. Don't you think? Absolutely. And I think this is probably one of the biggest things that are just our culture today is really missing that we are so used to that instant gratification where anything you want, you know, it can appear on your doorstep in two days or anything you need, you can get it delivered right now. And, um, you know, at the tip of the, at your fingertips, you can go online and find so many things. And I think that learning the patience and learning how to, um, you know, find the, the will to wait for good things to happen and unfold as they're supposed to is really just a, a life lesson that I want to teach my kids. So things like handicrafts, they're, they're not that instant gratification. They don't happen in one lesson. Some handicrafts, you might not get a useful product out of it for months after learning a certain skill. And I think that that's so important mm-hmm. for not, not just our kids, but us too, to remember the value in that, that the value isn't always in the product that we're getting, but also in the process. I agree. And I think there's, there's something that is unseen too, that is, a, it's, it's a character trait really that you're you're wanting to grow in them. It's really less about this end product that you want to hold in your hands. And I think you're really good about this is that you really want to cultivate that character and, um, and it feeds into every aspect of schooling too. Like I think that the handicrafts help, um, with our kids just having perseverance through other really hard tasks. Um, not just, getting this thing sewn or crocheted, but also dealing with a really hard math problem. Or like you said, having to wait until uh, the end of the week to get to do something they wanted to do and, and having the patience to hold out for that. Yes, absolutely. When you think about like math, you know, you might think on the surface that math is like equations and formulas and knowing you know, the, the mechanics of solving the problem. But when you dig deeper into something like math, it's really about problem solving and critical thinking. And I think that is so key and a big reason why teaching things like handicrafts are so valuable, not just for the actual work that we're doing, but because it's applicable to so many aspects of life that if we want to teach our kids to be big dreamers and big doers, we're going to have to teach them these critical skills, which are figuring out how to solve problems that might seem like they're insurmountable at the offset, but then they're able to just little by little work out the details and figure these things out. So I think it's so important to be able to give them this well-rounded education because it's just going to make them better adults in whatever they decide to do. Of course, you know, maybe one of my kids is going to become a surgeon and they're going to use those sewing skills that I've taught them. Maybe they're not going to be a surgeon. Maybe they're going to be an engineer. (laughs) They're still going to use these skills because they're going to be solving problems and working on design challenges. 
Um, maybe they're going to be in marketing. Marketing still has problems. We still need problem solvers and people who can think critically and think outside the box. So whatever they decide to do in life, I think these skills are going to take them so far. You're so right. We are educating a whole person and we don't know their future, but God does. And I think that what we're giving them right now is so valuable. So um, I sent, for the listeners out there, I sent Megan this article. And it's not like a blow your mind article. It was just some, um, a publication by thursa.org. And it was called Ruskin Calling, Educating Hands, Heads, and Hearts in Changing Times. And the article really kind of um, is in response to like the whole we, we're living in the age of artificial intelligence and we've got so much technology around us and we have a lot of convenience tools at our hands. Um, but remembering some of the things that, that Ruskin talked about as he lived 200 years ago in the Victorian era and he was an art critic, but he also talked about politics and he talked about um, crafts and working with your hands and the value of those things come to find out. And I didn't know this. I wonder if, if you saw this, that he inspired Gandhi to re to translate one of his books um, into his language. And I didn't realize that Gandhi was inspired by Ruskin at all. Um, and I'm a huge Ruskin fan and a huge art nerd. So obviously I love reading articles like this, but I was wondering, Megan, what you, is there any, thing that you latched onto in here that was an idea that inspired you to think about something or um, anything you want to expound on a little bit? Yeah, I think it was definitely an interesting article. And I think when you look at kind of these, all of the, you know, the change makers from this time period, from, uh, you know, the turn of the century, and when there was kind of this educational revolution. Um, you know, we had a lot of educational philosophers and today their philosophies might look a little bit different, but when you look at kind of what all of these people were advocating for, and I think, um, you know, Charlotte Mason was one of them. There are, you know, Steiner and the Waldorf method or Maria Montessori, you know, all of these educational philosophers, when you look into the nitty gritty of what they were offering with their kind of um, revolutionary philosophies, all of them talk about working with their hands. And I think for, you know, Ruskin and what he promoted also, I, you know, it has to start at the very beginning. When our children are young, we have to be giving them this exposure and allowing them the opportunity to work with their hands because these kinds of skills, they don't, you, you can't, just learn them. It's not something like that you can learn super quickly. Um, and of course, as an adult, we can learn a little faster than children. You know, we could work on these things, but when we can start when they're really young, training all of the muscles in the hand, we can start working on those fine motor skills. We can work on the hand-eye coordination. It just kind of uh, progresses in such a natural way where by the time they get to where they have full control over their uh, muscles and all of their motions that, and they have full control over their eyes and what they can see that that's when they can really produce like true art. And I think maybe, maybe some other people can relate to this, but I feel like that's something I missed out on as a kid because, 
you know, I wasn't naturally artistically talented. And, you know, if you've ever had, you know, it wasn't one specific person that I can think of, but I definitely had people in my life who noticed that I was better at some things than other things. And art was not one of them. Uh, and working with my hands was not one of them. So maybe it was other people telling me these things and me internalizing these things. But I, I grew up just knowing, okay, I'm not good at art. That's not my thing. I was a better writer. I was a better communicator. I was better being on a stage, whatever. Uh, I was better at music and, um, you know, painting or art or creating things was not something that I was good at and not something I should focus my time on. And I think that really does a disservice because, I, I really think, of course, there are some people and children who are more talented and just are gifted in these kinds of arts and working with their hands, but all of us can benefit from doing these things. And I think the benefits like we talked about are not just because we can knit a sweater or we could, you know, hem up a pair of pants, but the benefits are really far reaching. And I think in this age of technology, and, you know, my husband is a technology professional, and I, I am not great with computers. Maybe that's related to my lack of art skills uh, when I was a <laughs> child. Who knows? So I think, uh, you know, it's so important that even though we have all this technology, we have to really just start with the basics when our children are young. And that's how we're going to raise children who are going to be able to, you know, code these amazing things and come out with the next, um, you know, artificial intelligence and virtual reality and all these amazing technologies. And I think, you know, even kids who are super interested in video games and Minecraft and all these things, they would benefit and probably have benefited. Some of the most talented of these creators probably worked a lot with their hands when they were younger and have got a lot of hands-on training. So I think it's just really important to not um, discount working with our hands because we have technology. I think it, it definitely is a piece to the puzzle. One thing I wanted to ask you was... If you think, so there's this point in the article where the author says um, that really with these things, we're encouraging self-inquiry and developing observation. And I wonder if, so you had mentioned that you kind of felt like you got, you didn't get the full opportunity maybe that you want your children to have, which I think is the case for all of us. We all have gaps or we all have those things that we really wished we would have started at a young age. Um, but what do you, what do you think about that? Did that strike you or, um, how do you think we could practice that now? Yeah, I think absolutely. That is really so true. And I think it's almost just akin to any part of education that, you know, when I'm choosing a curriculum or we're figuring out the resources that we're going to use, uh, it's not exactly the books or what resources we are using that are important to me, but exactly, you know, how this is going to impact the child and how this is going to inspire them to dig deep within and figure out their own relationship with the material. Um, because I think 
even with my own children, you know, I have three kids and we could read the same book and each one of them comes out of it with a different uh, experience. And, uh, and that's, I think, giving children the opportunity to really develop their own relations. And I think that comes in a lot of different ways. And definitely working with their hands is one of those ways. You know, we work on a lot of projects and I try to make sure that they have creative freedom in a lot of ways. And so even though we might have a specific end goal in mind and we're teaching a specific skill, I think art and crafting is such a great way to just inspire them to be able to figure out, you know, what, what colors mean to them or what, uh, you know, what they would like to make to give to somebody because, you know, building those relationships with people is so important too. So I think there, there definitely is a lot of opportunity for that self inquiry and just figuring out, um, you know, what, what life means to them. And I think even a six-year-old or an eight-year-old can figure out those things. And it's really great that we can have the time and space to be able to do that. I love the quote that he had in there um, that says, all great art is the work of the whole living creature, body and soul, and chiefly of the soul. And I think that that is just so important to remember that it's not just about what's happening on the outside, but we're really trying to create good people here and we're giving them every opportunity to figure out what that means for them. Well, and you had mentioned how you were more skilled in giving a speech or in writing. And I think that doing handwork and learning how to draw art are things that really help you contemplate and think about something differently. So as you're narrating and reproducing what you know and what you found out and what you've listened to and read it I think it gives you more vocabulary to be able to talk about things more intelligently or just to give your own perspective I don't think that um you know like when when a teacher if all they're trying to do is just shove knowledge into the into a student's brain um you're just not giving them any food for thought and any material to really chew on to then come up with their own spin on something. Yes, so. absolutely. I totally agree with that. I think, um, yeah, there has to be room to allow the child to let the information kind of sink into the brain and take hold. And I always like to, um, I think about, you know, kids in schools. I don't know if you remember a few years ago when like the fidget spinners were a big craze. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was a really useful tool in some ways, super annoying in other ways, but it was a useful tool because when you're doing something with your hands, your brain is able to take a break. So when we're getting so much information, especially when we're doing school with our kids and we're, you know, trying to transmit all of this information across into their brain, well, their brains can only go so fast and they need ways to be able to process that information. And so things like those fidget spinners were a, a way that some kids could have a little bit more focus and be able to sit still a little bit longer or be able to sit and take in that information. Well, in our home, we don't have fidget spinners, but we do have some 
coping mechanisms that we use in our house. So like finger knitting is a great tool. It's something that once you learn the skill, you can do just mindlessly. So, you know, while we're reading, my kids can almost always can be found with a piece of yarn and just sitting there finger knitting. And it's a great way to just give that brain a little bit of a break because it's when your hands are moving, your brain is working in a different way. And there's been lots of studies that show these kinds of things and show why things like fidget spinners are effective. And they're even more effective with uh, children who are differently wired or who might have some different brain functioning. And my daughter is definitely one of those. So I've found things like finger knitting and sewing to be so useful for her for those brain breaks. That's really awesome. And how, what a privilege that you get to be her mom to be able to recognize that pattern in her and work with it. And really in like a one-on-one type of way where you wouldn't have gotten in a public school with 30 students or so in a classroom. Um, I just always think about how, what, what a privilege it is that we get these individual souls to, to educate and to um, learn alongside them too, that it's so individual, but I, I totally agree about, and especially with boys, like having something to handle, um, isn't always a bad thing. And it doesn't always mean that they're not paying attention. One thing I noticed when we were doing our Bible lessons right away in the morning was that it was, it was so hard for me to garner their attention. Um, and then they started kind of resenting me during that time of the day and we're working on it, you know, no one's perfect, but I finally gave in and what I thought was giving in at the time was to give them a notebook and a piece of, uh, or like a colored pencil or whatever, um, drawing tool they wanted to just scribble or draw something while, while we were doing Bible lessons. And then really lately over the summer, I have been letting them take some Legos to the table to just work on something quietly, not, not loudly and not doing their little play stories, but um, to just, yeah, be able to do something with their hands. And really I've, I've seen a lot of fruit from that and I did not, I did not want to go that route. But once I, once I just decided, you know what, we'll try this. It, it ended up being (laughs) really productive. Um, Yeah. I think that that's so great that you were able to, to recognize that and see that. And I think for every kid, it's going to be a little bit different because some kids aren't able to, give their attention of the mind while they're doing something more in depth like Legos or if they were drawing their own picture or something like that. And I, but I definitely think it can be used as a tool to, you know, just make sure that they, um, you know, have an outlet for those, you know, the, the movements that kids, kids are designed to be moving. And when they're moving, they're, they're learning. And, uh, I think it's important to give them that and find a good balance. And I think as they get older, it's easier to kind of wean them off of that. I noticed that my older daughter, you know, at this point, she doesn't need something while my six-year-old absolutely needs something else to help him focus his attention. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. Well, as we wrap up here, I wondered, is there, is there anything you'd love to just leave with the listeners, a thought, um, an idea, um, or a question even? Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I think, um, you know, I would just love for everyone in the world to have this opportunity to 
be able to give our children this gift of working with their hands through handicrafts because it is just so beneficial. And I think just starting small with picking something that maybe you're interested in, or if your kids are a little bit older, asking them something that they're interested in is a really great way to get started. And I just know when I got started with handicrafts. It wasn't something that came supernaturally to me. Um, because like I said, I had kind of been told my whole life that it wasn't, you know, my gift. And so I just started one thing at a time. So I picked up embroidery and then I picked up, um, you know, uh, knitting or picked up crochet. And I'm, I'm definitely not a master at any of these things, but it's really great to be able to do things little by little. We're starting paper sloyd with my six-year-old this year, which is kind of an art of paper folding and measuring. And it's a really great one to get started. So I would encourage uh, all of the listeners today to just think about one little way that we can get started and not to be overwhelmed with uh, the big picture because, you know, I think about what I want my kids to have experienced, you know, by the time we're done with our homeschool. And that could be daunting to think, how are we going to ever get to all those things? But I really just try to take it one day at a time, one craft at a time and think, what could I do today so that we can work with our hands in a really magical way? With uh, the mom who is feeling like she doesn't have any of these skills, she doesn't know where to start. What would be your first counsel for her to do? Would you say that she should try to do this handicraft that she wants to introduce into the home? Or do you think that she should just kind of open up her computer and just start something and try to learn it with them? Uh, yeah, I, I think learning with our kids is so great. My kids are so, they have a lot more patience and they're so gracious in our learning. I know we tried to do origami in the spring and we started folding paper cranes. And it literally took me probably three hours to get my first paper crane. And they <laughs> were sitting there with me, cheering me on the whole time. So they were trying it with me and just, they're so encouraging. So I don't think we have to think that we have to have it all figured out and we have to be an expert before we teach our kids. Thankfully we have technology, we have YouTube. So we were watching YouTube video after YouTube video, trying to fold these paper cranes. And then once we figured it out, you know, the, the paper crane, if you've ever tried it, it's got some <laughs> tricky little maneuvers. It probably won't take most people three hours, but it took me three hours, but, um, there's some tricky folds in there. And so once we figured out the tricks to those, uh, you know, little tricky folds, um, we could pop out the paper cranes and we, we actually made like a hundred of them to decorate for a little party that we did. So my kids were little paper crane making machines after that. And it was really great because we did it together and it was rough going at first, but now anytime we run into a struggle, like my daughter is learning crochet and she's doing a lot of machine sewing right now. And anytime mm -hmm. she gets really frustrated, I just have to remind her, hey, remember those paper cranes? <laughs> and she'll remember, okay, I can do this. We can do it together. We can work through these problems. And I, I think it's a really a, a gift to be able to work through figuring these things out with our kids. So I don't think any mom should ever feel like they have to have it figured out before they teach their kids, for sure. I think that's a really good point. And I think sometimes it can be really humbling to the mom but also good for the kids to see mom struggling through something 
And how is mom reacting? Like, is she getting impatient? Is she getting mad? Um, as a grown woman, I sat down to learn crocheting with my child a couple of years ago and I started crying. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, that was a check on, on my own, uh, how I was thinking about it and my character and my, um, you know, aptitude or not for that, but, and also just a little bit of perfectionism, if you can believe it or not, just <laughs> yes. creeps in there once in a while. Well, the other thing I was going to say was if anybody needs wedding decorations, maybe they just need to call the DeBrell family and have have a truckload of paper cranes. Right. Yeah. I actually, in my previous <laughs> life, I was a wedding planner. And so we Were made you? our paper cranes and I thought, oh my gosh, this would have been just the most beautiful wedding decoration. We hung them out in our garden. It was beautiful. Oh, funny. If you want to give people your your website um is there a box that you're featuring for this month yeah okay so i actually i'm not offering any physical boxes right now but i do have what um most people get is my monthly collections which will have it's a digital download or you can get a print of it but it has eight different crafts it has three recipes each one has a family activity and then it comes with songs, stories, and poems to go with the month and the seasonal nature of that month. So in these are geared for kids about three to eight, and they're just fun ways to kind of get started and learn different skills. So all of the crafts are, you know, just a, a wide range of skills, and they all come out with something that's beautiful and useful, and most of them can be completed in a pretty short amount of time because I find for those ages, uh, their attention span is not that long so we don't want to do things um, that are too in-depth but they are things that they'll be able to use those skills for other projects which is just something that I really like to focus on for my kids and I'm happy to share that with other people and you can find uh, me and all of these at brutochildhood.com or come and hang out on Instagram of course there's always Instagram (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you. And listeners out there, thanks for listening today. Thanks for sitting down and having a minute with us here. I just wish you well on your journey with educating the heads, hands, and hearts of your children. Talk to you later, guys. Bye.